Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you. A prophet to the nations, I appointed you. I'd like to just reflect a little bit about what it means for all of us in our faith that before we were even born in the, in the womb, before our conception, God already had this desire and plan for us. And it was out of God's love for us and for humanity that he allowed and brought us into the world through conception. That's when the soul is actually created. At that moment, the two cells, or the, the, the sperm and the egg come together and they create one new cell, a human cell, that God has a purpose and a plan for that person. Before you were born, God chose you. Now that you live, it's our opportunity to choose him. So before you were born, God chose you. And now, during the time that we live, we have the opportunity to choose him. I don't know if uh, you've ever heard somebody say this before, or have said it before in your own life. The phrase, I wish I had never been born. I wish I had never been born. Especially when we're going through difficult times in our lives, or we feel rejection, or we feel so much pain. That's a question, or a, a, a statement, that sometimes people will make. I wish I were never born. And sometimes people e will even say, God, did you even ask me if I wanted to be born? Why would you let this happen? Because life sometimes can be so difficult. St. John Chrysostom says, I am the one, about God, I am the one who knit you together in your mother's womb. Your life is not a work of nature, nor the fruit of suffering. I am the original and the cause of all things. You should obey and offer yourself to me. And then he adds, it does not begin with I consecrated you first. I knew you, then I consecrated you. Thus the original choice shown, and after the original choice, is the particular calling. So God is the one that brought us into the world. And he's also the one that gives us that original calling. Back in 1994, Mother Teresa was invited to give the invocation at the, at the breakfast before Congress. And uh, I'm sure everybody was expecting her to give a beautiful, pious prayer. And uh, she ended up talking for 20 minutes, or actually 30 minutes, uh, in front of all of Congress. And I just want to read a few lines about what she said having to do with an infant in the womb. But it's really cool. If you have a chance, look it up on YouTube because you can see it. Mother Teresa was pretty short, right? So she comes, she comes walking out, and as she comes up to the microphone, she's like this. And not only that, but there's two big microphones here. So, like, you could barely see her face. She's just... It, but she, she went on and just... Uh, she read and gave this powerful uh, speech. So I'd like to just read a couple of the paragraphs from that as we reflect on the beauty of life and, and life in the womb. This month we do celebrate, uh, it's, it's Right to Life Month. Last week was the, the march in Washington, D.C. And so it's a, it's a wonderful time to reflect on life in the womb. So, Mother Teresa. She said that... Um, hang on one second. 
She invited all of us to give up everything for God, to do God's will, to love one another as he loves us. If we are not willing to give up whatever it takes to do good to one another, sin is still us, in us, and that is why we too must give to each other until it hurts. Did you ever hear that phrase from Mother Teresa, give until it hurts? That's from this speech right here, that we must give until it hurts. That means love, ultimate love, will cause some hurt in us. It will cause difficulty for us. True love is not easy. She said it hurt Jesus to love us. We have been created in his image for greater things to love and to be loved. We must put on Christ, as scripture tells us, and so we have been created to love as he loves us. So Jesus' love ultimately was expressed when he suffered and died on the cross. And that's the same kind of love that God wants from us, to love him back in the same way. Mother Teresa said that I can never forget the experience I had in visiting a home where they kept all these old parents, sons and daughters of God, who just put them there into institutions and forgot about them. She talked about some of the things that she saw in America that she just found disbelief in. But then she goes on to say, but one of the, I feel that the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion. Because it is war against the child. A direct killing of an innocent child. And if we accept that a mother can kill even her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill each other? How do we persuade a woman not to have an abortion? It's a good question. And she says, as always, we must persuade her with love. And we remind ourselves that love means being willing to give until it hurts. So we have to be willing to give that mother and that father everything that we can to help them raise that child. So the mother who is thinking of an abortion should be helped by love, that is to give until it hurts her plans. So that mother, too, is choosing suffering. She's choosing that by bringing this child into the world, her life will change dramatically. And God has called her from the very womb to be someone that is self-sacrificial in their love. The same with the father, too, who is called and must give until it hurts. She says, many people are very, very concerned with the children in Africa and in India, where quite a few die of hunger and so on. Many people are also concerned about violence in this great country. These concerns are very good. But often these same people are not concerned with the millions who are being killed by the deliberate decision of their own mothers. And this is what the greatest destroyer of peace is today, abortion, which brings people such blindness. And then she says, and for this I appeal you in India and I appeal you everywhere. Let us bring the child back. This child is God's gift to the family. Each child is created in the image of, and likeness of God the creator to love and to be loved. In this year of the family we must bring the child back to the center of our care and concern. This is the only way that our world can survive because our children are the only hope for the future. Then she asked the question, what does God say to us? He says, if a mother could forget her child, I will not forget you. 
I think ultimately when a woman or a man or anyone is faced with this situation and they make the choice for abortion, ultimately it's because they don't trust enough that God will provide. They don't trust enough that the church will provide. They don't trust enough that, that God does have a providence and a plan. And sometimes children grow up in very bad situations. And so one of the reasons I know for abortion is they, they say, who would ever want to bring a child up into the world? Or who would ever want to bring a child into the world that I'm living in? But Jesus reminds us, even if a mother should forget her child, I will not forget you. And so that draws us back to that first image and that first thought. Before you were born, God created you. Now that you live, you have the chance to choose him. So how do we choose him when we're feeling a sense of, I wish I never would have been born? If you've ever experienced that or are experiencing now or know anyone that's experiencing that, how do we deal with that question, I wish I would never have been born? Well, the answer is to really come to know the love of God. Until we know the love of God, we may ask that question. But once we know the love of God, we'll never answer that question to God because we know his love and we know and believe that we have a purpose. And because children are sometimes brought up in an abusive family or an alcoholic family or a divorced family or whatever that may be, their image of God is, is greatly tarnished or even destroyed because of growing up in that situation. But even if a mother or father should forsake their child, God, I still love you. And so it's how do we then discover the love of God? And how do we change our lives so as not to continue the original sin that we were born in? I know there's a, an author years back that said, uh, you can blame your parents until you turn 28 years old. And then once you're 28 years old, you can no longer blame your parents for your own behaviors. So once you turn 28 years old or an adult, something like that, it's time to stop blaming your parents and to take responsibility for your own life. And that, again, only comes through the transformation that we hear in the second reading. If we truly come to know God the Father's love for us, and what is his love? It may not be the love your parents showed for you. The Father is patient. Maybe your parents weren't always patient with you. The Father is kind. Maybe your parents weren't always kind to you. The Father is not jealous. He's not pompous. He's not inflated. He's not rude. The Father does not sing, seek his own interests. So God the Father is not selfish. He's not looking out for him. He's always looking out for you. God the Father is not quick-tempered. And if you have parents that are quick-tempered, God is not like that. He doesn't brood over injury. He doesn't rejoice in your wrongdoing, but rejoices in your truth. When we come to know the Father's love, we know this, that his love bears all things. His love believes all things. His love hopes all things. God the Father's love will never fail you. So before you were born, you may not have chose to be born, but God chose you. 
And hopefully, now as we continue to grow and to live in his love, we can make the choice to choose God, to choose life, and to choose love.